As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. That's what made this case so unique, was that it was so consistent. It was so widespread. And they were so late. And this they were still late. Thing. Right. By the time we went and sat out there with the kids to see how big of a problem that was, they were still running late. From the Fox 6 studios, this is Open Record. We're investigative reporters breaking down the big stories, what it took to get them taking you behind the scenes. It's the stuff we couldn't tell you on TV. On this episode, bus stop chaos, parents called, we investigated. Who's to blame for late and no-show school buses? Hello, I'm Jenna Sachs here with Amanda St. Hilaire. Hello. And Brian Polson. Hi, Jenna. So a lot of us have memories of riding the bus to school. I know I did as a kid mm-hmm. up I, until I did too. It's funny, my kids don't. I don't think they have any clue because we, we I used to walk down the hill about four houses away and there was a bus stop. And I still remember waiting for the bus. You'd line up your lunch boxes and every, like everyone wanted to be first in line and then the next person. But you'd line what up your coats. What bus stop were you at? I don't know. In our, maybe this was just our neighborhood, but you lined up your lunch boxes and your coats to get in line for the bus. And then there was one, the neighbor who lived, I feel bad, it was an older woman who probably just wanted nice white rocks outside the edge of her house. (laughs) But they were perfect for us to grab and we played sewer hockey or soccer or whatever. We grabbed the rocks and we would like, there were sewer, uh, sewers across the street from each other. And we went in the street and played like sewer soccer while you waited for while the bus. we waited for the bus. And if there was an intense game going on and you saw the bus coming, of course someone would yell "bus!" and you're trying to finish up, and then you'd lose your place in line, and it was always chaos. So you wouldn't have minded a little more time well, waiting for the as bus. As a kid, but- my mom or you know all of our parents might have been a little more concerned than we would have been. Right. Well, the focus of our story, obviously, that Amanda did was that a lot of parents aren't happy about the amount of time that their children are spending at the bus stop and what happens when your bus is so unreliable that it starts to affect your child's education or even your job. So this is one of the most common complaints we get in the Fox 6 investigator's office, believe it or not, late school buses. And when a perfect storm created a mess in Racine Unified School District, Amanda, you started digging into this. I did. And we joke that I run the school bus beat, right? I've done a lot of reporting about school bus inspections, safety violations, and contracts. But this issue was a little bit different. The first week of school, we were flooded with phone calls, Facebook messages, emails from parents saying their children's school buses were running late. Normally, I start work at 6 o'clock in the morning, so, and so does my husband. So we rely on a babysitter to get them on the bus for us. And when the bus is on time, it's fine. But when it doesn't show up, I don't know, I don't know how they would get to school. That's what I'm paying for. My tax dollars is paying for a service that I'm not get, receiving right now. We usually get calls about bus problems the first day of school, but then everyone settles into a routine and the issues seem to be resolved. How is this different? So parents told us the buses weren't just five minutes, ten minutes late. Some were arriving 
after school had already started, some were not showing up at all, and some were showing up hours late to pick the kids up from school and bring them home. So parents would be waiting, not knowing where their children were. And this didn't just go on the first day of school. At this point, it had been going on for a week. So the first thing we did was go somewhere where we knew we'd get brutal honesty. And of course, that was the bus stop. Yesterday, we waited like 45 minutes. How'd you get to school? He didn't. He didn't go. I didn't, I didn't have room in my car. Drive me. I didn't have room in my car. My parents were at work. We're supposed to get home at four, like, like 10. 10 at the latest. Yeah, and I got home at 5.42. A lot of people got home at 7. 7? Yeah. You can always count on kids to be honest with you. So that day, the bus showed up an hour late. And we knew this went beyond the typical first day of school messiness. I really enjoyed watching the story as you're sitting there at the bus stop with these kids because the kids are just kind of telling you their perspective. And you see all the parents gathered around. It almost became like a block party in a very odd way. But what really stood out to me was what about parents who can't stand there at the bus stop and wait with their kids, which is a lot of working parents. And you'd, where's your kid going? You don't know. So really the question I would be asking as a parent is whose fault is this is this the school district's fault? Is it the bus company's fault? What happened here? So it depends on who you ask. Typically what we see here, the school districts contract out their transportation. So some school districts will have contracts with multiple bus companies to meet their needs. In the case of Racine Unified School District, they contract with one bus company. It used to be Durham School Services. We did a story pointing out some public records showing that Durham School Services was running school buses that had safety violations. They had said they had fixed the problems, but they actually hadn't, and they were caught still using the bus to transport students. So their last bus contractor, you exposed issues, yes. and they go to switch companies. So then it was time to do the bidding process. So some might say it's Fox 6's fault that all this happened, but they, they do the bidding process. Go, I know, I On know. The school bus beat. You know, we, we just give people the facts, and they can do with it what they want. It just happened to be time to bid the service. So First Student is a different bus company. It's a very large company nationwide. They come back with a bid that Racine Unified felt like was the combination of the best service and the best price. So they elect to go with First Student. And by the way, just to give you context of what's going on here, Racine Unified expects this year to spend more than $9 million on transportation. So this is a big contract. It's a big ticket item. Even if your kids don't ride the bus, you are paying for this. So I'm guessing in that bid process, when they're evaluating these companies, your stories on what Durham had failed to do with some of these buses that were supposed to be taken off the road probably weighs into the decision-making process and may have helped first student stand out. That's what administrators told us. And looking at the actual safety records of the bus companies, and we can do that through inspections, we get a list of companies that tend to have more violations. First student is not typically high up on that list. So that was consistent with what we saw. So you fast forward, first student gets this contract, It's being discussed in the spring 2019. So fast forward to August. First student says they essentially send out what they call a boomerang, where they're saying, hey, we need all these bus drivers to come in to work for us for this contract. They say they hope the boomerang comes back, except this time they were more than 30 drivers short. And that makes a big difference 
when it comes to routes. If you don't have a bus driver to drive that, someone else has to pick it up. It becomes a domino effect. This is what first student was telling us. So as a result, that first week of school, it was just chaos because if one route runs late, then the next one's going to be late and the next one's going to be late. And it all just kind of seemed to compile. What did the drivers have to say about this? Because I assume they're out there trying to do their job, but it's frustrating when there are other people who are holding up. The the bus drivers were frustrated. We spoke to several on the phone. Some uh, emailed us but asked that we not use their names because they are still currently employed by this company. Um, Some posted very publicly saying, this is not our fault. We are doing the best that we possibly can. And they said they felt as though the bus company for student was not doing everything it could to make this situation better. And they're the ones who've showed up for the job, who are trying to do the best they can to get kids there. They're just being given an undoable task. They're the messenger. And sometimes they are rolling in and meeting angry parents and not-so-happy school administrators. They felt like they were dealing with the brunt of this. They said the company was giving them multiple routes to run at the same time, which, of course, you can't do. We asked for a student about that. They said they were not giving drivers two routes to run at the same time, but then they said they would give some bus drivers multiple routes. So it wasn't really clear what the distinction with that would be. So you're to run one route first and then come back and do the second one? Of course, you're going to be really, really late. Right. And now, in order to recruit more bus drivers, First Student says it's offering a $1,500 signing bonus for bus drivers in that area. They're trying to really encourage this, but they didn't have a great answer for us when we asked, if this school bus driver issue is a national shortage, why is this specifically affecting your district? Well, and and what I wonder on this too is this all became apparent the first couple of days of school. They had to know long before school started that they were way short of drivers. So we just got a whole bunch of emails from an open records request about this situation. And emails are great public records because you can tell what's going on at the time. Because one of our questions when we originally did this story was, who knew what when? When did first student know this was going to be a problem? How and if? Was that communicated to the school district? And what did the school district do to prepare? Because they're not totally off the hook. They're the ones who signed on with this new bus company. And Racine Unified School District did not have an answer about when they knew this was going to be a problem. And First Student did not have an answer. So in these emails, you see administrators writing some pretty scathing letters to First Student saying, hey, we met a couple weeks ago. You never indicated this was going to be an issue. And now we're met with all these problems. We have principals driving students home because their buses aren't showing up. We're dealing with a major disruption in education in our classrooms. What are you going to do to fix this? As the parent, I think my next question would be, well, what are you going to do to fix it? You mentioned incentivizing bus drivers to sign up and take on this work. Is there anything else being done? Do they think this is going to be fixed? Well, so from the school district perspective, there are performance aspects of the contract that they have. The problem is it's not like there are 100 different bus companies to choose from. The bidding process takes a long time. So if you're going to enforce that performance aspect of your contract with the bus company, you need to have something else lined up or have a good idea of what you would have lined up. And from the school district perspective, they want to give first student a chance. So I think at this point, if in a couple months 
they're still having issues, they're getting different complaints, I think we might start to see some movement there. I'm waiting on an update from First Student now about how the situation's going, how many more bus drivers they've been able to hire. But they're a, even though they contract with a public school district, they're a private company. So we're still limited in some aspects to the information that we can this get. This may be hindsight at this point, but I think, is there not a way to structure these contracts to say, okay, you know, it, it, it's a big deal to just change companies. So it's not like two days into school, they could have said, first student, you're out. Correct. We're going to another company. That would have probably not been contractually possible, but also would have been practically, I think, impossible to do. But is there not a way to say, okay, this is a multi-million dollar contract. Our kids are hours late to school. You're going to get dinged X number of dollars for failing to perform. Is that built into these or is that a possibility? It seems like as a taxpayer and as a parent, I'd want to know that if this bus company is that late getting my kid to school, that maybe they pay a little price for that. So most contracts hint at that, but they don't come out and say, you will be danged $3 per student per 15 minutes you're late, for example. Um, but you know, I would think there would be a way to structure that. The issue is, again, if you only have limited bus companies to choose from and all of the bus companies say we're not going to agree to that, from the school district perspective, you might be a little limited because by state law, you must transport these students. So in that case, they're in a, a bit of a tougher spot. Our, we should our, point out, too, that this isn't just a problem in Racine. We get a lot of complaints from Milwaukee every school year. We've done reports for Contact 6 before, and those were especially concerning because the kids I profiled in our story were waiting in a neighborhood with sex offenders, registered sex offenders on their street, and their parents felt like they couldn't go to work and they had to wait with them at the bus stop. And when these That's kids are disruptive. late for school, they're missing free breakfast, they're missing educational time, and absolutely, it's very disruptive to the family. And in our case, it was Lakeside. And they, yes. they rectified the situation. They acknowledged that there was too much traffic on that route, and they fixed it. But after the story aired, we got a lot more complaints about bus issues in the city of Milwaukee. I would say more than a dozen. Did you get more? We get complaints from various school districts, various bus companies, but usually it's one or two issues. By the time we follow up, the bus is now running on time. That's what made this case so unique was that it was so consistent. It was so widespread. And they were so late. And this they were still late. Thing. Right. By the time we went and sat out there with the kids to see how big of a problem that was, they were still running late. Now, some school districts have GPS tracking on the buses, so you can see at any given point exactly how many minutes late or early on time they are for any given route. So if you are a parent and you have questions and you know your school district has this technology, I know MPS has this technology, we did a story on that several months ago, then you can call and say, hey, I want the information about this or can you tell me where the bus is right now? And they should be able to look that up for you. But the issue is if you have unreliable buses, chronically late buses, how do you plan your life? How do you expect to get to work, especially if you do shift work or another form of work where maybe you don't have the most understanding work environment or it's going to be unacceptable for you to walk in five minutes late? Not everybody has that luxury. And that's why it hit me so hard when we were sitting out there with the kids and one boy said, I didn't go to school yesterday. 
The bus never showed. My parents were at work. And I, I looked at the photographer I was working with, I looked at Andy Conkle and said, I think, can we, can we take this boy to school? If the bus doesn't show up, he needs to go to school. Uh, and the bus did show up that day. But for a lot of kids, I went with Amanda, the bus lady. You <laughs> yeah. know, I, I don't know if that's the wisest call. I no, well, that's why I was like, can we, can we drop him off at school? I don't know if that's allowed. I don't, don't want to get accused of anything. We've asked about taking people in the news cars before. It is not allowed. Yes. She um, said I could wear the microphone. I don't know. <laughs> Very understandably. So I should also point out, just from a behind-the-scenes perspective, all the students who we showed at the bus stop and who we featured we had talked to their parents. We, the parents knew we were going to be out there. This was not a us roll up and just get random footage of random children without speaking to the adults in charge. And you can see in the video that there are adults there watching us, what we're doing. Moving forward, we're, we're in October now as we're recording this. Is, is this resolved in Racine? And is this an issue that is likely to come back up there or anywhere else? Because unemployment is still historically low. And are there is there an issue with finding bus drivers for a lot of these companies? So that's the nationwide issue with the bus driver shortage. When unemployment is low and the economy is doing reasonably well, the theory is fewer people want to or need to drive school buses. It still doesn't explain why this was such a specific problem for first student in Racine, but it is something that is a nationwide issue, and that's where the incentives come in. We'll see if that's been enough. The parents that I've been speaking to whose children were at the bus stop that we were at say the buses have been a lot better. And even a couple days after our report, they were saying that the bus was showing up more consistently. It still wasn't exactly on time every day, but you know, give or take five minutes and the parents are a little more understanding about that. It's not a complete disruption to the schedule. That said, we'll see as far as a widespread issue whether the problem really has been resolved and going forward with the performance of this bus company is like in the school district. But it just goes to show no matter what district you're in, no matter what bus company your school district has contracted with, you, the taxpayer, are paying for that. So even if your children don't ride the bus, this is an issue you should be vested in because it's a lot of money. And in some cases, you may be paying for a service that is not reliable. That's the dinner bell, which means it's time for our dinner party question. This is a weekly segment where we answer questions we most often get asked as journalists at parties or events or whenever we're out and about. So there is a catch. We have no idea what the question is. So there are several envelopes in front of us, and I'm going to pick one at random. Someone asked me a dinner party question yesterday. Write it down and put it in the envelope. I'm going to write it down. Well, it's got a one-word answer. They were saying, do you have a wardrobe at the station? And I said, no, they don't, they don't give us clothes. I have That's clothes that I bring to the station from my home. Well, you know what? I do have like a hanging closet in my office that has oh, we, yeah, clothes we do too. in it. I know. But but so uh, it's not like anyone provides me with clothes. But I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I derailed the, the conversation. No, they <laughs> we, do not give us clothes. <laughs> it's a double dinner a real party life question. Dinner right? Yeah. <laughs> What was your favorite interview? 
like in our careers, favorite interview that we've done, I assume, right? Favorite interview? <laughs> yeah, I guess that it could be interpreted in a few different ways. Let's choose to say favorite interview that we've done. I mean, when morally safer interview, no, I mean, we're talking <laughs> about favorite interview. Um, I, I Gosh, I, I think maybe one of my... It depends on why it would be your favorite. Is it your favorite because it was the most important or because it just had sort of comedy? Um, I think one of my favorite interviews for sort of comical reasons was the interview with Sean Braden, the owner of, uh, well, operator of Cars, Inc. Um, This was a guy, he was such a character in a not real good way. But he operated this towing company that is the whole reason I got into doing stories on towing companies in the first place. He would yell at me on the phone and he would call me names and then he would try to be nice. And then I tried to talk to him and he drove off in his tow truck and he came to the TV station and drove around in the tow truck looking for me <laughs> and then went to the police station and complained about me here in Brown Deer. So he was president of the Brian Polson fan and club after is what all you're that, saying. He agreed to sit down and do an interview and he, he came in and he sat down and, and I, I started asking him questions and, and he said, uh, I still remember the soundbite, but I don't remember the question that set it up, but he said, you know, I apologize to you for being mean and stuff. And I just thought in a professional interview, it was one of the strangest things anyone had ever said to me. Um, And eventually he didn't like my line of questioning and he got up and he just walked away and said, we're done. And it was, it was, but it was, it was eminently entertaining. Which pro tip, if you're ever doing a sit down interview with a journalist and you don't like how it's going, ripping off your microphone and storming off that will most definitely be featured in the promo. in the story <laughs> in the promo. It will get a lot of play. Pro- if you don't want to call attention to yourself, that's probably not the route to I go. I still remember in that interview having a, a police report um, about a situation where he had towed a whole bunch of cars from a lot that he had no contract to tow cars from, and all these people complained. And his name is highlighted in the report like seventeen times. And I said, well, you know, tell me what happened in this case. And he said, I didn't have anything to do with that. And I said, well, your, your name's right here in the report. And he said, no, it's not. And I said, yes, it is. It was, it was like a bizarro world where he just denied what was right in front of his face. But that also goes to show how you have to be really prepared for those interviews because you need to know your stuff so you can challenge things in real time. And those can almost be more difficult. I, I almost always tell people, and I mean this sincerely, even if there's a story that is going to be potentially negative about you or your business or whatever it might be, sit down and talk to us. You're probably going to come out a whole lot better by telling your side than not. His was one case where afterwards I thought, I don't know why he just sat down and did that interview because he just came off, I hate to say it, looking like a lunatic. Well, yeah, there's a difference between explaining your side of the story and going on to have an argument or to be combative, and those come across in very different ways. Have you been able to narrow one down, Amanda? My favorite one was more of an unscheduled interview. It was a few years ago, right as I was starting to do more investigative reporting, and there was a nursing home in the area, this was in Pennsylvania, that had a lot of complaints about cleanliness resident care, and a video had surfaced showing cockroaches crawling all over the kitchen. So I had spoken to the former employee who had recorded that video and a whole bunch of current and former employees at that nursing home. So eventually it comes time to show up and talk to the people there. 
and the guy who runs the place comes out. He sticks his hand in front of our camera. He starts yelling at us. He starts saying, I don't like your questions. It's all the stuff that you, that has the drama that you expect in that situation. But he kept talking to us. So we stood outside and talked to him for about an hour and he was getting visibly frustrated. It was a similar situation, Brian, where he kept denying certain things and we had the information and we would challenge and he would get frustrated and he would kind of storm off, but then he would come back and he would talk to us. And eventually he's, he was denying his big thing was he was denying that the video of the cockroaches was in his kitchen. He looked at the video and said, that's not my kitchen. That doesn't even look like anything that's in this building. So eventually he took us inside to show us how clean his nursing home was. <laughs> and we walk in and we're standing. It's the same angle. It is 1,000% the same kitchen. So we get the footage. I show it to him side by side with the video. And I said, that, that's the same kitchen. It's the same kitchen. So at the end, did he end, still deny it or at that? No, point, at the no. end, he went on camera and apologized to us for the way he behaved, for the way he treated us, and he said, "On on second look, that does look like my kitchen, but we've since taken care of the problem." Okay, so we aired the story. Eventually, the nursing home ended up getting sold. There were some changes there. I'm not sure what kind of situation it's in now, but it was just a, a really bizarre afternoon. And it just goes to show that just because someone is adamantly denying something, that doesn't necessarily mean they're telling the truth. That's a I, good I wonder, story. Jenna, is your favorite interview the one where the Nazi hit on you? No. Okay. No. Wait, what? No, we talked about oh, that in you a were previous on episode. Leave. Oh, you were? That's right. You missed that. I must that. have missed oh, that episode. You'll have, to, you'll have to go back and listen. <laughs> so, you don't listen to all the episodes? <laughs> I usually do. She had oh, a she newborn. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so my favorite interview that's coming to mind is more of a comical situation. And I was doing a day turn maybe like six, seven years ago in Milwaukee. And the story was there was a woman on the interstate who was having road rage and she was very angry at the driver next to her and she gave him the finger. And it turns out the driver in the other car was then Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark. Oh, Oh, no. So he pulled her over. And I can't remember if she was, I think she was cited. I don't remember exactly what for, but she was cited. And we interviewed the sheriff about how this was kind of funny. You know, it was it was a dangerous situation, but how interesting that he was in the other vehicle. He was kind of laughing. Was the this whole back time. at the time when Sheriff Clark used to like to do that TV interviews? That was back when he yeah. enjoyed doing TV interviews. Uh, we went to the house of the woman who had been cited, and every now and then you get these interviews. You you turn on the camera and the person starts talking, and you just know that your story got a million times better because the person is so animated and so interesting to listen to. She was she so much profanity, by the way. It came out of her mouth, but she was just, you could tell her shock was still there. She was like, I couldn't believe it. Holy bleep, I just flipped off the police. She was just the most animated person and the story, she just carried the whole story with her energy and her shock. And you could just really feel the surprise of this woman who had had road rage and regretted it because as it so happened, the person she gave the finger to is the sheriff. It's not the most hard hitting thing I've ever done, but 
you just left that interview and you were just it was it was fun. She was she was laughing people, about yeah, it. She, characters. Is, she was fine, you know. She was a good sport she, about nobody it. Nobody got hurt, you know. She learned her lesson. Um but she was just so animated. I I, I really enjoyed listening to her talk. I still remember when when Jessup had before he came to Fox Six News, Jessup Reisbeck, he had the interview with the guy who Kai was Kai the, the Hitchhiker. Yeah, Kai the Hitchhiker. And I remember an interview with Jessup about that interview where he said the guy was just spitting gold, That's and I exactly just let it. him go. And at a certain point, when you get that interview, you like you said, the best thing you can do is stop talking and let them go. That's exactly what happened, and it didn't go viral. I think we posted it online, and it got shared a lot, and people enjoyed listening to it. But she was such a good sport about the whole thing. She acknowledged she made a mistake, and you could just feel her shock in that moment. Um, I've had a lot of other good interviews, but that one just comes to mind. It, it was stands fun. out. I'd be yeah. remiss if I didn't share a moment from yesterday in our office because I mentioned the, the story about the Nazi hitting on you. So, And, and, and Amanda brought this up off uh, air before we started. But yesterday, we're all sitting around talking about a story. Oh, yeah. And, and I said, uh, can I, I was so excited. Up? Can I set this up a yeah, little bit? Yeah, you can. <laughs> no. Jenna is so nice. Oh, so and I just I talked think, to Jerry about this yesterday. I think I think we just need to set it up. She's so, so nice. People say this. I'm not that nice. But (laughs) you are. You're very nice. You're also very quick and very witty. So sometimes you just get a zinger and it's still in that like very sweet, very mom tone of voice. And it takes a second for everything to set in to figure out what happened. So yesterday I'm I'm out on a story. And something happened, which I will talk about in a later podcast. So this is a tease ahead to another episode. But something happened uh, that was just amazing, an incredible coincidence on a story I'm covering. And I come back to the station, and, and, and you two were talking about something in the office. And I sat down, and I said, you guys aren't going to believe it. Something happened today that has never happened in my television career. And Jenna, what did you say? Without missing a beat. Without a hesitation. What did I say? I said... You said what? Did, did someone, someone hit on you? Yeah. <laughs> And, and I then just, there's just a it, pause while we let it I was. Absorb. It wasn't that I was that upset by the comment. I wasn't at all. I was just so surprised. I was like, wow, did that come from Jenna? And it was so good. I'm sorry. No, it, it was I felt fantastic. like we talked about the Nazi and you had said That's no one true. had ever hit on you before. we got to figure out what episode that was so we can have Amanda yeah, go back. And, well, I, I have that's a Nazi a story. story too. So but that's that just... is one heck of a story. Anyway, that's probably enough <laughs> yeah. for today's dinner party, right? That was a good dinner party. <laughs> Do you have a question you want the Open Record team to answer? Let us know. Shoot us an email at theinvestigators at fox6now.com. Thanks for listening to Open Record. We'd also like to thank the people behind the scenes making this podcast happen. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, and Leanne Watson. And if you enjoy listening, let us know. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And please don't forget to check out Fox 6's other podcast, Definitely Milwaukee with Carl Deffenbaugh. If you want more Open Record, just head to our website, fox6now.com. Oh, sorry. I did. I, I didn't see that there was chatting there. Yeah, okay. we don't have to. No, it's just I, it's, it's okay. an I've option. Got some, we, I got some chatty stuff. We, you know, you have chatty. I have chatty stuff. <laughs> I have chatty. What? That's shocking. <laughs> Man, it is pile on Brian Day. I think. All right, let's do this. Let's okay, sorry about, about that. School. Do I just should I start the whole thing over? Or should I? Okay. School bus bullies. <laughs> you did today miss a great on, moment no. yesterday. We'll fill you in later. Okay.